Are you looking for hope? Then you're in the right place. If you're not, well, you're still in the right place because we all need hope. Welcome to the Shine and Delight podcast. We hope to navigate life's storms together as we encourage and build up one another to find true saving hope in the only one that can truly satisfy. We can't fix your problems, but we'll definitely point you towards someone who will. Come along. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Andrew Scott Templeton the first with my two really good friends here today. Shout out who we have here. We're friends? I didn't know that. Ah, uh, besties for the resties. Wow. For eternity, actually, because we were spending eternity in heaven. Thanks, Ro. Appreciate that. Well, Ro's here, and so is... <laughs> Mallory. Ooh, back on. What's what? it been like? No, no, no. What's the other... What's your other name? What's your nickname? I... I, uh... On protest. I'm not going to say it. Okay, that's fair. Are you right. going to say it? No. I, I okay. respect your... I respect okay. your, uh... Something that rhymes with boogle <laughs> and burl. <laughs> That's awesome. what I got. That's all I'll say. Uh, but yeah, guys, what is the uh, opening question we have today to get things kind of rolling? I think Mallory had yeah, one. Yeah, Mallory's taking the reins for this one. Yeah. Yeah. So um, one of my friends is currently, or just recently, was in a shark cage um, out off the coast um, of San Diego. And so I said I would never do that. So my question is, what's the craziest thing you would do? Can I have some like ideas here? Because I see, I have this this bucket list, and it's really a not to do bucket list. Okay. So like one of those is like be eaten by an alligator, yeah, um, yeah, bitten naturally. by a snake, mm-hmm. things like that. There's only a few things on there. Most of the things I'm going to do. Okay. So like one for me, I would be terrified, but probably do skydiving. But I wouldn't do bungee jumping. Mm, Hang gliding fair. looks cool, but you probably would die. But it looks cool. So there's weird things. My limits, I don't really. I've been paragliding. Okay. Which is close. Yeah. It's just a parachute over the mountains yeah it's fun let's see what about hot air balloon oh and they've done that yeah that's weird me too it's fun wait you said it's weird yes oh uh, dude albuquerque mexico has the world's largest hot it's air balloon beautiful. festival we have like 700 that go up for a week in october it's mm-hmm. just such an odd form of transportation it it's is terrifying nice. honestly but it's fun yeah Go to Albuquerque, go to the airport, and they have all the old hot air balloons in there. They show you, like, an old blimp, too. No, you should just go to the festival because it's, like, the sky is filled with them. It's so cool. Yeah. But it's not that out, bro. What was your answer to that question? Uh, probably something animal-related. I love animals. I'd, I'd probably do the shark thing. Okay. That's probably yeah. my limit. But, like, swim with them or be in a cage? Uh, I'd like to say I'm tough enough to go outside of the cage. Mm-hmm. I don't think I am, though, because I've never done it before. But I think if I was comfortable enough with the sharks, I would probably go outside of the cage. Okay. So uh, in, in Coronado, California, where the Navy SEALs train, it's a super highway for great whites, and yeah. they swim out in the open ocean all the time. Since the 60s, when the Navy SEALs got uh, incorporated, they've never had an attack. Like, of the thousands of guys that have gone through Because that's the, where they live. That's where they have their babies and stuff. They go up to, like, Santa Barbara to eat, and that's where the shark attacks <laughs> So don't go to Santa Barbara. Just go to Coronado, and then you'll be fine. I would, <laughs> I would do the same thing as long as it's not, like, a 1,000 feet deep. I hate not being able to see the bottom of the ocean. Mm, okay. Interesting. Um, yeah, you probably would. I probably would not. Wait, is this the thing we're most willing to do? Or not willing to do? Most willing, most willing to. Oh, most willing like to do. Like, on the edge. Like, ooh, that would really pushing it, but I would do it. Uh, I don't know, 100-mile run? Kind of daring. Okay. Uh, An ultra marathon? Okay, yeah. Wow. I would like, I wouldn't, I don't like running, but I would do that. No, um, but you're trying to like be subtle and let the audience know that you work out a lot. That's, that's not, what you're trying to do. Wow. That. I did not, you know, I could have been like, yeah, I do a 24 hour burpee competition to raise money for like some CrossFit organization. That would be less subtle. <laughs> wow. That would be, that Can would he, be brutal though. Yeah. I think that's about what I do for. Cause I basically do anything with animals except like touch snakes. So yeah, snakes are awful. 
Oh, I was literally just reading that in the Bible, though. Uh, and was it what snakes Mark are Mark at the end or something, or John, where it's talking about snake handling and stuff? Brood of vipers. Yes, crazy. What about yourself? What's the craziest thing you would do? I think I said um, I would be really scared, but I would do like skydiving. Oh, okay. Or potentially hang gliding, but that one I'd have to be like, all right, Jesus, like this might happen. Coming home, <laughs> coming home. Yeah. Love that. Yeah, you definitely have to do some estate planning before you went on that trip. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Life insurance is in place. Here's my will. We're good to go. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's the kind of like living on the edge you're looking for right there. A little bit. <laughs> Be bold. Makes you make sure that you got everything, all your ducks in a row. But you know, if you don't get to do it now, just when the new heaven, new earth, new earth comes, just do it on the new earth. That's true. Probably nothing bad can happen then. <laughs> I've thought about that because a lot of my bucket list revolves around cities. So. Yeah. I don't really, I've never studied eschatology, so there's a new heaven and a new earth. So I don't know if there will be a Rome in heaven. So I would like to see Rome before I die, right? I don't know. We're going to find out. So there's a thousand year reign of Christ. If you're alive for that, you probably can go to Rome. Okay. Yeah, yeah that's good to know. Yeah. Well, that was a great question there, Mal. You guys should think about it yourselves, audience, and uh, let us know. Yeah. But we're going to be talking about decision making today. Why? Because as young adults in your teens, 20s, 30s, 40s, whatever, however young you are, 60s, um, we make a lot of decisions and all of them feel like, I don't know what to do with my life. I don't know what decision to make. Um, so we're really gonna be talking about how do we go about making God honoring decisions in whatever we do. Mm-hmm. What are your first thoughts, guys? I think before we talk about how to make good decisions, talk about how to make terrible decisions. Okay, yeah. And I think the way you make terrible decisions is by yourself and under the influence of something, whether it be alcohol or emotions, whatever that may be, the worst way to make decisions is by yourself under the influence of something else. Yeah, do you have any examples so wait, of that? Are you ever not under the influence of emotions or your own limitations and if biases? You, so if you are hyper, if you're really angry or you're okay. really anxious about okay. something and you're trying to decide, should I go back to grad school? I think you should wait until you are no longer ticked off or you're like at least calm down before you can make that decision. Are you speaking from experience? Yes, I'm speaking from experience. Because <laughs> in the in the spring, I was trying to decide, you know, law school stuff and then I was freaking out when I looked at the tuition and my dad called me and he's like, hey, you gotta relax. Like you were, you're freaking out. You've been wanting to do this for a long time. Just do it, just do it. And then like, you've done the math, you know it'll work, just do it. And so I needed someone, I needed another person to come in and talk to me when I was freaking out and give me a little bit of clarity. Yeah, it's, it's trying to make big decisions when you're emotional. Yes. Right? It's one of the first things, getting a clear space where there's not a ton of things going on in your head, kind of a deal where you can just sit down and relax and think about things and talk to God and talk to your friends about it. Well, it's, good, it's good wisdom. I think as well, like Proverbs says, you know, of the wisdom of uh, many counselors, you, like, what is it, make war, wage war? And so essentially just 15, what you 22, said. yeah. Yeah, like you inviting other people in that you trust to have an opinion on it sometimes helps you get out of your head or realize that you have a blind spot or a bias that you didn't even know about. In this case, emotions and fear. Yeah, it's why companies have boards of directors. It's why, you know, yeah. it's why we have three branches of government. I mean, there's making decisions by yourself in a silo usually doesn't work out very well. No. So how do how to make bad decisions? Let's see. Bad decisions in the Bible. Um, David by himself on a rooftop, not where he should be. Right? He's in the wrong place where he's mm-hmm. not out at war, and he's by himself solo, and he decides to see a naked woman every single night for most likely a couple of days, and then finally acts on it mm-hmm. by himself in a hyper state because of how hormones work. Just gonna be honest in that. Um, <laughs> that's one example. Um, I think of Esau and Jacob. Esau comes back from hunting, is starving. I'm gonna die because I haven't eaten in 24 hours, right? And his brother's like, give me a birthright. I'll give you a cup of soup, some lentils. <laughs> He's like, dude, deal, this is the best deal ever. You know, what gets a birthright if I'm dead, right? So he did it when he, when he was hungry, when he was super 
emotionalism race. I'm going to die. He, he trades away his birthright. What are some other examples of dumb decisions we see in the Bible? Well, like going off of that, uh, I mean, that's when the devil straight up showed up to Jesus after he'd been 40 days and 40 nights mm, not eating is when yeah. he knew he was weak and hungry when he started trying to mess with his head. So there's definitely, uh, I guess, a theme in the Bible about that when we have needs and we're not addressing them. And that's when we should not be making decisions. Um, I think another one would be, um, oh, my gosh, it just fell out of my head. You go. Peter. Okay. The night that Jesus was arrested, he was standing in the courtyard and then he was terrified. He was by himself. I don't think any other disciples were around Peter. No. And then uh, a middle school age girl freaked him out and made Peter deny Jesus three times. And then he, you know, we all, he ran away in shame and he was, you know, sad, but he was by himself. He was terrified. And then he, he allowed himself not to make a good decision. Mm-hmm. He could not detach from the situation long enough to make a good decision. I feel like as well, if you don't want to invite anyone else into that process, that usually is an indicator it's not the right choice. Like there's shame or embarrassment or guilt around it. Yeah. Oh, I agree. So what are some decisions that we as young adults have to make, some big decisions that we should be pondering, taking time on? Oh, man, there's so many. There's big ones and small ones, but they all, I think, are important um, with how you process it. So I say big ones would be if you're outside of college or even in the process of, like, ending college, just figuring out, like, what do I do with my life? Mm. So, like, what does my work look like? Where am I going to live? You know, who do I want to potentially spend that life with? All of those things are huge ones. Yeah. Where do I go to college? There's another one, right? Which is the right college? Which is the right grad program? Ah! Yeah, it's so big, too, because when you're our age or growing up, you're given specific guardrails, like first grade, then you go to second grade, then you go to third grade, and then you hang out with mostly the same people. And when you get to college, you have your friends, and it's still a pretty defined curriculum. Then once you graduate college, it's like, what do you do? Yeah, now the world's so open. You're like, man, what if I go to Thailand for a year? What if I go over here and do be an au pair? What if I, I get in a this? pyramid scheme? Yeah, what if you do a pyramid scheme and you sell uh, essential oils or something like that, right? That sounds really fun, bro. I think you should do that. <laughs> There's so many, like the world has gotten so much bigger in the past, mm-hmm. specifically 50 years and more so 20, 30 years with the internet mm-hmm. that we can literally go anywhere, do anything with anyone anytime, right? Instantaneously. So there's, there's a lot more decisions we have to make now than we did say our parents or our grandparents back in the 50s. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, we got back from World War II. I'm gonna get married. I'm gonna buy a house. I'm gonna have kids. I'm gonna get my job nine to five. All right, that's the end of the work towards retirement. That was the, it. At the auto plant. I'm gonna go work at the auto plant for 40 years, get a pension retire and marry the girl that was down the street basically yeah like there was not that much but at the same time the more information there is the harder it is to make decisions because you either try to dive into it all and it doesn't all really line up and it doesn't really give you an answer or you're just like i'm overwhelmed and you don't even try and then you make a decision with absolutely nothing you know yeah it's like me going to a restaurant and the restaurant has like 30 things on the menu i'm like i'm overwhelmed i don't know what to pick and so then i'm just like server what are your favorite three things on the menu and then i'll be like all right pick one of those for me thank you my dad does that too. Does it? Yeah. He says, when we're out of town, he'll say, this is our this is our first time here, likely to be our only time here. What do you suggest? Every single, that's the script that he goes with. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Every single time. Pretty simple. Or I just narrow it down to myself ahead of time. Hey, I like these three items. I can't decide which one do you want? Which one do you recommend? And then the server will pick for me. It's great. But yeah, too many options. We get overwhelmed. Pretty simple in that. Yeah. And I would say with two big of a choice as well, you're like, man, this is going to matter for the rest of my life. If I screw this up, I'm doomed, right? If I pick the wrong college, oh, if I yeah. pick the wrong person, if I do the wrong job, right? I can't change that ever. That's kind of how we approach a lot of decisions. Um, and I think it's recognizing that ultimately, you know, 
we plan our ways, the heart of man plans his ways, but the Lord establishes his footsteps. And I think that's groundwork as Christians for any decision we make. Yeah. So like, man, we can plan our ways and those things out there, but ultimately God is in charge and God's gonna direct our footsteps. And from that, we get to that foundation, we can just start building upon that for how to make a wise decision. Mm-hmm. I think in my own life, whenever I overthink stuff, I like whenever I make, it's tough for me to find a decision, it's because I'm thinking out 10 steps ahead. I'm like, okay, if I go to this school, I'm gonna get this job, which means I'm gonna be in this city. And I'm planning out 10 steps ahead but I never have the maturity to take a step back and think, okay, Ro, do you really think that you have the ability to forecast your future more than like five minutes? I mean, like really that, that's kind of where I think a lot of overthinking comes from is we overestimate our own ability to forecast our future. Mm-hmm. And I think there, there's a lot of humility in saying, I don't know what's gonna happen. I don't think I can predict accurately what's gonna happen. All I can do is make the best decision at hand with the information that's been given to me and let the Lord do the rest. Yeah, mm. and like nothing that we can do can thwart his will, you know? It may mean that we have a more roundabout way of going back to it if we choose not to invite him in and seek his counsel, but his will will still be done, which is awesome. But I think um, for me, the biggest indicator is like checking my heart motives first. Yeah. Like that's like, what is the real reason either that I'm panicking or that I'm trying to make this decision usually will show um, am I doing this to honor God or am I doing this with the right motives? So you're saying that's where we should start all the time. That's, that's I'm trying to get like a step process. Yeah, like that's, how that's should fair. we as, as, as young believers, um, make decisions? I think, I think the first step before the heart motives, cause that's, that's an indicator of like, Hey, I know that the heart can be deceitful is before that even just going to God and saying like, Hey, this is yours. Like mm. just first, just submitting that future to him. Like you were saying, you can get so caught up in the anxiety of trying to control what you think, you know, the future is going to hold, which we don't. Mm-hmm. So the first acknowledgement is I don't know. I, and I know someone who does. So I'm going to go to him first and just like hand that big fearful thing to him. And sometimes, I mean, a lot for me, actually, that takes away that emotional side or that fear side that may even impair that ability to make a decision, Mm. which we just said we can't do. Malcolm Gladwell did a a podcast one time where he talked about how Hamlet was wrong. And it was because Hamlet spends the whole play thinking to be or not to be. He doesn't really know what to do. When Mm. in reality, what he should have done is he should let his doubt free him to make a decision. Because in reality, I don't know what's going to happen either way. I might as well just do you know, what I think is best right now, because that's the only thing I can do. And I think there's there's some sort of freedom in that when we ultimately admit, you know, there's, I, I don't know what's gonna happen 30 seconds from now. You know, my purpose in life is to know God and to make him known to others. So therefore, if, if I can do, if I'm deciding between two paths, if I can do that in one path, then I'm gonna go there. If I can do that in both paths, if, if it doesn't matter what I do, I can know God and make him known to others, then you really can't make a bad decision in that regard. Mm-hmm. So we're looking at prayer. Got it. Yeah. First step is prayer and submission to that. Like I said, submit the heart over there to God. Have that humble heart before God instead of that pride. Like I get to make this decision. I'm gonna I'm gonna change my life. And you're like, no, no. The prayer is saying I'm, I'm coming before God, recognizing that my heart, my life is inside of His hands, and then I'm gonna walk forward into the next steps. So, well, and the tricky thing is, is the pride is not just I think I know what's best. It's also thinking this decision is going to ruin the rest of my life. Like I have the ability to, to cause or, or all make of the that. rest of my life. Yeah. yeah. Like you don't, you don't know. 
So when you decided to move from Albuquerque to Dallas, come to DTS, mm-hmm. what? How did you make that decision? Because that's a big. I mean, you had a you had a you and Bonnie had a life in Albuquerque, yeah. And you uprooted all of it and came over here. Uh, I'm not sure if I want to reveal those two questions yet. You know, that may be for a little later. There's oh, two. Okay, there's gotcha. two big questions that I always ask myself mm-hmm. um, when making a decision. Okay. Um, inside of that, that really helps to direct. And that I guess you can ask those questions and then go into prayer and then mm-hmm. start processing with community. Um, that's probably where I would start, honestly. Um, and those two questions are: What is going to be most glorifying? to God, mm-hmm. right? That's the first question. So out of the options in my in my future, is this school, is this school? Both, both those schools are probably pretty glorifying to God. And then you might write, well, actually, one's a, a Christian school and one's non-Christian. And my conscience right now, my Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit inside of me, is moving towards being more evangelistic. All right, then the most glorifying to God right now is going to be that non-Christian school as an idea. Second one is what's going to cause me to trust God more in that sense, and slash, slash increase my faith, okay. slash step outside of my comfort zone is how I look at those things. Um, because most things that God calls us to are gonna be outside of our comfort zones. If you guys have noticed that, when like law school, outside of your comfort zone, I'm sure in that sense, I don't know, debt's outside of my comfort zone. Moving to Dallas as well. Quitting my job. Quitting your job, yeah. but yet you were led by God to do that. Yeah. Outside of your comfort zone in there. So those are the first two that I would start with. Then I move into prayer after that. And I'm like, okay, I'm thinking, here's what my head thinks, right? My head, my heart is going this way. Now let's see what you have to say about it, God. Let's put that prayer for, before you. You know, it's awesome is there are certain promises in Scripture, and one of them, James 1, 5, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given. And I just think that's so cool because it's a guaranteed yes every single time. We can always ask God for wisdom, and he's going to say yes. Well, and there's a whole other section in James that's saying, like, you don't have because you don't ask. And when you do ask, you have poor motives. You're doing it for your own glory, right? And so mm-hmm. it's also that's that goes back to that checking, like, why— are you making this decision? Um, aren't, and are you submitting that to me? Because I will give you answers. Like, I think there's another part in scripture, and I, you may know this, Andrew, but like, it says God is not a God of confusion. Mm. I don't know the reference on that other top, no. Okay, yeah. So he, he, usually, if it's from him, there's going to be some level of peace or clarity, or like you said, if both are honoring to him, then it's a gray area where he gives you, you know, the freedom to make that decision and he's still gonna like as long as you're submitting it to him he's still gonna make glory come from it you know but i don't know so we got ask yourself some questions pray about it um that second step or the third step if we're there was i would say is meditate on the scriptures search the scriptures inside of that so one of the things my young adults got that job out of college now all of a sudden you're making the money mm-hmm. and you're like god how do i honor you with my finances what do i do with that right and so i would say that would like that's just a simple sample question is going through the Old Testament and the New Testament and seeing how did men and women in the Bible honor God with their money, right? And what did they do? How did they trust in Him? And how does Jesus talk about it? How does Proverbs talk about money? How does like how does David give up his money? What does Abraham do with his money, right? And looking all throughout that and saying, hey, these are founders of my faith, men I should imitate and women I should imitate. How do they take care of money? So I have a question about that. Um, so I was talking to someone uh, along similar lines of like, how can we meditate on scripture to make a decision? And there was a concern there that if you don't check like what you're looking for, then you can find scripture to support whatever you want, you know? So like how people in, in other, um, situations have just found a verse and completely misplaced it from the rest of scripture to say exactly what they're wanting it to say. You know what I'm saying? Mm. So what would you, I don't know, what advice would you give in that circumstance? 
um, yes, there's two things. Two things here. I'm thinking about theology, which is the study of God and everything that has to do with Him. There's um, a pericope of Scripture is going to be that that small little passage mm-hmm. of Scripture, right? So maybe Jesus' Sermon on the Mount is one whole pericope of Scripture, very large in there. Or maybe it's a specific battle with David. That's a pericope of Scripture. So you have a pericopal theology, which is just a theology of just that that passage. Mm-hmm. What is represented here? So someone may go in that passage and take out one little chunk of theology, one little verse, two little verses, and be like, that's what it is. Right, but then there's a systematic theology, which is saying how does this pericope compare to every other pericope in the Bible, and how would systematic, systematic, looking at the entire Bible, what is my theology of money based on looking at the entire Bible? So we ask these questions. We can't, like you said, it's easy to go pick and choose different things, but when I'm asking most of these questions, we're looking at life, are going to be big questions like, man, who should I marry? Right, that's another big question we're probably looking at. Well, as a male, I'm probably going to go look at Proverbs 31 is a big one there. I might look at the, um, like Ruth and Esther, how do they behave? I'm going to go to the New Testament. We have Mary sitting at Jesus' feet. We're going to have um, other women that we get to see, and it's like, I'm going to go look at that versus a woman obviously looking for a husband. She'd go through all of the Bible as well, looking at, okay, how was how David a man that honored God after God's own heart? But yet he also sinned, all right? I don't want this, okay, let's see what he did wrong here. He was outside of community. I need a guy in community, right? Or, oh, Peter as well, or looking at Paul. So I think you have to look at the entire Bible as a whole and not just one little passage of scripture to make a decision off of. Yeah. Okay. Does that make sense? Definitely. Okay. I don't know how to follow that. That was great. Yeah. So <laughs> when we like, if I was to say, I mean, for money wise, that's a lot. Or for looking at spouse, you have to go through the entire chunk of there. It'd be very difficult. Or you could go look at like one little pericopia of scripture and be like, man, but you know, David picked up a third wife. Cool, I can get a third wife. And you're like, ah, actually, that's not how God intended it because we take it back to Genesis where it's man, one man, one woman. That's what he intended in marriage. The two should become one flesh. That's always always intended it, right? Mm-hmm. And we see that in the New Testament as well and most of the Old Testament. Well, and the consequences after people tended to add more wives to their lives exactly. didn't really go well for them. Yeah, um, that's one example where we can take a pericopia of scripture and then we can, oh, well, David did it there or Solomon did it there. Mm-hmm. Perfect, I can do it, right? So another question I'd have is I know some people who they will make a decision. And they'll just say, like, it. I just felt like the Holy Spirit was directing me to do this. And so sometimes it's something as subtle as, like, I felt a nudge when I saw this, you know, in my rearview mirror, which made me think of that thing that I'm making a decision of. Or um, it was something, like, much more clear where I had like this scripture and this scripture and then this person had said it who had no idea that I was making this decision, but it was reaffirming what I read in scripture. And so... How do you know the difference between, like, I don't know, like, heebie-jeebie feelings versus, like, I feel like this is what God's calling me to do? Can I speak on that? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I think we're very liberal with the phrase, God is calling me to do X, Mm. because I think that God is very serious about what he calls people to do. I think when you look in Scripture, he's very, very clear. He looked at Abraham and said, leave the land of your fathers and go to the land that I will show you. He came to Moses in the form of a burning freaking bush and said, go back into Egypt and leave my people out, lead my people out of slavery. Um, in the New Testament, you look at Jesus physically looking at Matthew and saying, come follow me. So I think God is very clear when he calls you. And so I think we should probably be careful, like throw, not, not like, I'm not saying you're doing this. I'm just saying in general, because I'm very guilty of this, just taking like little feelings and taking a, a scripture out of context and saying, oh, God is calling me to do X. And it's like, if God is calling you to do something, then you are wandering into disobedience if you say no. So you should be very careful when you tell yourself that God is calling you to do X. And what that means is that should be backed by scripture. And so like, if you're sitting on a plane and you have a feeling, like you have this feeling in your gut and you think God is telling you to share the gospel with the person next to you, he probably is because that's something that God explicitly tells us to do in scripture. Mm-hmm. But if you think that God is telling you 
to buy one brand of milk at the store versus others. I don't know. That's something he could do. I doubt it. I, that's just because that's not in scripture. Um, and so I, I think, I mean, chime in guys, but I, I think that like, you should be very careful when you say the phrase, God is calling me to do X, Y, and Z, because he usually defines that in scripture. So I think I agree. I do think it's a very thing, like a thing that you need to be very cautious of. Um, I know some people are very much felt like they have a very strong voice. And so, yeah, I think it's never going to do you wrong to go back to scripture. And is this, does this go along with it? But going along with what scripture does say, like Jesus, when he did do the 40 days in the desert, it was the spirit led him there. We don't have any clarity on what that looked like. You know, he just was led there and that was right after he was baptized. So he had just been given the spirit and then that happened. And so I think people can either overthink and then be disobedient. And I think sometimes for me that can happen because I overthink it too much. And then I do know that I was called because I feel that anxiety when I have not been obedient, you know, that lack of peace that comes from it. And I will go to scripture just to make sure. But um, there's others who I think will jump really quickly um, into what a feeling is. And so I think that's where it's can, like, if you don't know, if you don't have someone who's modeled this for you, mm. I wouldn't know what to do, you know? So kind of, yeah, you're right. So kind of to clarify what I was saying, going off of that, what I was saying, going off of that is mm-hmm. if you have a feeling and you think God is leading you to do something, you should check scripture. If scripture says nothing about it, then like you should, you should determine whether what you think God is calling you to do is glorifying to God. If it is, it's probably him. If not, definitely not. He would never call you to do something that wouldn't glorify him. Um, if you feel called to do something that is explicitly said by scripture to be a bad thing, sinful, mm-hmm. yes, red flag, that is not the voice of God. Yeah. Um, yeah. But in terms of like, you know, God winks and, and things that God drops in front of us, I don't know how, how that works. I mean, I, I that's part of my story. Um, and, and I don't, I, I think that God communicated with me in, in funny ways like that, but I, I genuinely don't know how that works on a broad scale. So I don't really want to I don't know how to no, address that. Yeah, you, know? you, you don't have to have an answer. I was just yeah. saying, like, I know that that's such a tricky thing where people are just, you don't really know what to do. So I think going to scripture is probably the best and community processing with them because they will also call out. Yeah, I would say a lot of times we look at scripture and there's not to be times when God says, test me in this, right? When you're like, hey, just give me a sign, right? Give me a sign, God. It only happens a couple of times. You have Gideon who's like, give me a sign, let it be wet, let it be dry. And we're like, man, that's actually kind of sinful because God's got to order to do something and he's doubting uh, in there. Mm-hmm. Only thing we have is in, is in Malachi where he says, test me in this. And he's talking about tithing. Test me this, give me, give me, give me your tithes, honor me with your tithes, test me in this and you will see that it will be poured out abundantly towards you, mm-hmm. right? Um, in scripture in that. I was thinking of a, my uh, preaching professor who's also a pastor, he was telling me that he ran, I think he ran like the uh, the Paris Marathon or London Marathon at some point there, training with a buddy. He's not really athletic. So he's like, man, I get there and you know, I'm in the Paris Marathon and we're, I'm like 16 miles in and my buddy left me. He said, we're gonna run the whole thing, but he's gone. That's what usually happens, right? Somebody's faster than the other person and you don't have good friends, sadly. And he's like, I have the mile marker 15. And I'm like, I'm just not gonna make it. Like, there's no way. I'm, God, I need, I need help. I need a sign. And he walks like half a mile and he sees a metro station. And he's like, that's my sign. I'll take the metro to the end. Oh, no. Right? That's my, and he, he was a little bit joking about this because he uses, and he, he pulls, he looks in his pants and he's like, I don't have any money. Right? So he couldn't get on the metro. But he was going to take what is a, a cheating, sinful manner, mm-hmm. right? And his head is like, oh, well, God, God provided it for me right there. He knows it was sinful. He knows it's unbiblical. But he's using a joking. He's saying that definitely was a sign that was his heart being deceptive towards, I want to take this because it's the easy way out yeah. in there. He ended up finishing the race, took him a long time, but he finished the rest of it, right? Just to finish the story there. Yeah. There's a lot of times we get some decisions in our heads, some ideas, and we're like, 
God, give me a sign. And all of a sudden you see a billboard and you're like, oh, cool. That's great. I saw the sign on the billboard right there. And it said John 3.16, whatever maybe, right? Yeah. And so we, we, when there's God doesn't say, test me in these things or whatnot, when really we should just be searching the scriptures and then asking community, but he does nudge your heart, right? There are times when he nudges your heart and you're like, is this from God kind of a deal? Mm-hmm. Right. I'll give you an instance in my own life that I'm trying to decide right now. Um, couple, a couple months back, I'm do, I do prayer walks. Four to, four to five days a week around the neighborhood. And I just felt, I live in South Dallas, Fair Park area. I just felt like God wants, I just tell him like, show me a picture, image of a bridge. Just tell him a bridge. It's like, Andrew, I want you to be a bridge and a minister of reconciliation for the people down here in South Dallas, right? Mm-hmm. It's 90, predominantly 90% black, African-American, whatever you prefer it is in there. And I'm like, and I'm a white guy from Germany, I, Irish and, you know, English. And I'm like, I don't, I don't, I'm not, I don't know this culture, God, this is kind of crazy. And then hearing a, my wife's like, what if we buy a house in, further down in South Dallas instead of where we want to live? And you know, and actually love our neighbors. I'm like, that's a, that's a different idea, Bavani. She says it independently. And then I hear a, um, a video message like two weeks ago, and it's about a police officer that decided to buy a home in the worst part of his city and bring his family down there because he wanted to see change actual happen. And he was a Christian, and he said, hey, I want to be a minister of reconciliation in this community, so I have to live there. And so crime rate went down by like 70, 75%. So he was praying about it before he moved in. He went and talked to neighbors, asked for permission to do that. Then I just have coffee with a random guy from church. Just saw him briefly at church. Turns out he, um, on this was last Tuesday, it turns out he was a pastor down in um, College Station. And he was a youth pastor for five years. And then his head pastor said, hey, I want you to move to this neighborhood and I want you to love people there. So he did that for five, six years in a all black neighborhood. He was the only white guy there. And I'm like, huh, this is kind of weird that these things are kind of lining up like this. And so for me, as I'm looking at that, I'm like, all right, I think God is directing me, my wife, to buy a house down in South Dallas Fair Park um, to start loving people there well, to open up our home for neighbors, things like that, right? So next step is, the next step for us, like I've been praying about looking at things, is like, look at the Bible, what does that look like? Because, I mean, house churches would think in the Bible. Next step, community, right? Bringing you guys in, right? What would you think about that? What do my best friends think about it? As God's been directing my heart, so... As an example from my own life where I'm like, I'm still not sure about things, but I'm praying about it and want to watch God open up some doors. That's awesome. The thing I love about that story is that God would be leading you to move to South Dallas so that you can do ministry, so that you can make him famous. And I think that, like, that's, that is, that's awesome. Um, and a lot of times we, we can think that God is leading me to this job because he wants me to make more money. Mm. That's probably not it. Yeah. Um, God is going to do everything that he does so that you can know him and make him known to others. And I think once we view life through that lens, things make a lot more sense. Mm-hmm. Like God, if, if God wants you to move to Dallas or Austin or New York or wherever, he's not doing it so that you can get a, a better high paying job and live in a cooler apartment and mm-hmm. make cooler friends. He's doing it so that you can make him known to others or you know him and then make him known to others. I think once we kind of filter everything through that, it makes a lot more sense. Well, and I think if you look at scripture, like most of the time he puts you in a situation, like you said, where you have to trust him. And oftentimes where if something does happen, it's clearly not from you. Like it, mm-hmm. it's it's bringing glory to him in the sense that we are weak and he is strong, right? So placing um, Paul, who had all of the experience with um, like Jewish culture, and he was ministering to the Gentiles and to the Greeks and to the people who had no relationship at all with his training, right? And so that made glory come to God because it wasn't something that he was comfortable with. Right. And so I think similarly, this can be something where he can shine through you uh, by calling you to have these relationships with people and people that you don't have a similar cultural background with, you know? 
drastically different. When you look at Paul too, Paul's he's telling him, I want to go to Rome. I want to go to Rome. I want to go to Rome. That's Paul's goal, right? But the way that he is taken to Rome is drastically different than how most people want to go as he's taken as a prisoner under house arrest. Mm-hmm. And he's under house arrest and he's like, man, I have a very literally captive audience with his guards. And all of a sudden, hey, you want to hear the gospel? And the next day, the next day, the next guard, the next guard, until like most of the Praetorium Guard, all the Praetorium Guard have heard about that. And that's Caesar's guard as well. So the Caesar's household hears about the gospel. But Paul's idea probably been like, hey, I'm gonna take a boat. Let's go to, let's go to Rome. Let's meet some Christians there, some Jews. Let's preach them how he's done other cities. God's idea was like, you're actually gonna go as a prisoner because this is gonna be the most effective way and the way that brings me the most glory. Yeah. I was listening to a sermon the other day. It was actually Ben Stewart who spoke at DTS one time. He's a DTS grad, I'm pretty sure. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm not surprised. He's very smart. DTS people are very smart. You know, they're all sharp. Um, <laughs> that's not sarcasm. I'm not. Be- I mean that literally. David Marvin's also a DTS grad. So. I love that guy, even though he doesn't know who I am. But anyway, so um, <laughs> so what was I talking about? Oh, um, yeah, that's right. Ben Stewart. Bible. Ben We're talking about the Bible. So um, uh, anyway. Yeah, What's Ben Stewart's sermon. What so Ben Stewart. Okay, so he's talking about how he he basically summarized the entire Bible, and his point was that when you look back on it, God orchestrated all of human history so that Jesus could come at the exact right time, at the exact right moment. Because several centuries before Jesus was born, the Greeks took all over all of the known world, and Alexander the Great was the first person to realize that if we teach everyone the same language, we'll be able to communicate, and trade will be a lot easier if everyone can communicate. Yep. So he teaches everyone Greek. So for the first time in history, everyone's speaking the same language. And then when the Romans come into power, they were the first ones to build a highway system because they wanted to further trade. And they thought, now that everyone speaks the same language, let's make it easier for them to connect to each other. And they also cracked down robbers that would intercept people while they were going from town to town. So it was the first time in history where international commerce was really easy. And so Jesus died at a point when everyone was speaking the same language and it was really easy to move from town to town. So among other factors, it was the perfect time for the gospel to spread because it was in a perfect little incubation period in history where Paul could go to all these different cities and preach in all these different synagogues you know, and spread the gospel of Jesus. And it just was so clear that God did all of these things. He allowed the Greeks to come into power. He allowed the Romans to come into power. He allowed the Jews to get kicked out of Israel by Babylon so that they can come back, so that the temple can get destroyed, so that they can build synagogues, so that by the time Jesus comes, there's a network of synagogues all over the known world that are connected by highways where everyone's speaking the same language and it makes it much, much easier to share the gospel. And it's like God moved all of human history for that. And I just think that's so cool. Well, and not to mention like to fulfill every single prophecy through the Old Testament exactly for that moment, you know, which is incredible. Like if you actually dig into it, it's just, it doesn't make sense. Like it shouldn't have been able to happen in that way. So he just, there's just so many things which should show you like he is a God to trust because he does mm. work everything to good. And he, he is working all things out. And even when we can't see it, I don't know, like uh, what, when you had mentioned Malachi earlier, what stood out to me is um, that's him fulfilling his promises. So what he asked to be tested was something he had already promised, mm. you know? So yeah. he said, I would bless you if you give to me. Right. And so there's so many things that if we do, if we, if we obey and acknowledge that he's already promised this, then yes, of course he's going going to bless it and back it because he's already told it and he's good and he can't he does not break his word, mm. you know. Yeah, I love that. I mean, you just like we're trusting a sovereign God. So when you're making a decision. You're like we're going to put it in His hands instead of my hands because I'm not sovereign in yeah. that. And I love that. One of our I think our third point there was going to be community. 
putting in a community there. Mm-hmm. Whenever going with those questions or thoughts, what's my future look like is taking to community because what I just gave was, hey, here's a question that's on my heart, practically happening right now as you look to make a decision. And both of y'all just gave some words from the Bible slash, hey, it's the Great Commission. Like this is literally the Great Commission. It's gonna honor God. Mm-hmm. You should do it, right? It's the same thing. This is this is stretching you. This is gonna honor God as well. And so it's like we're all called to with that whatever decision is to go to community with that to help have some other men and women who are Christians, right? Don't go to your community that's not Christian because they're gonna give you secular answers that say, hey, you do you, please yourself, here's my truth. Where it's like, hey, Christian community, here's the truth, the word of God, and here's how we should interact. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's not to say without the fact of you consulting them, God can still use people around you who may not know him to to affirm things he's you. Told are correct, you. 100%, yeah. yeah, 100%. But yeah, I would not process a decision with someone who does, who's not, um, I don't know, their heart isn't submitted in the same way as you. Yeah, someone else could, God can use somebody else to confirm something outside of that. Here's what you need to be doing. You're like, I was thinking about that. I don't even know you, stranger on the street. It's cool how God interacts. Yeah. But like on a day-to-day basis, you're like, you know what? I think I'm gonna add an Etsy job to my life. You know, I already work 45 hours a week, but I got some more free time. And you know, you probably take that to community. Because maybe you're already on top of things. Like you're like, I don't, have, I don't have any more free time, but you want to have an Etsy job anyways. Take that community. They're like, hey man, we're looking at your rest patterns. It looks like you're gonna have to give up a Sabbath to this Etsy job. We don't think that's wise right biblically you should probably not do that yeah that's what i was looking at i would say maybe the last thing is um whatever you ask for in prayer he says continue to ask you know so Mm. if you don't feel like there's clarity if you feel like you don't have an answer that doesn't mean that he's not hearing you so i would just say keep bringing it to him you know yeah what's the parable about the person he she's knocking on the judge's door over and over and over. She just doesn't go away. She wants... It's like the, the parable of the persistent widow. Yeah, and so she she just is banging on the judge's door for hours. She just will not go away, and then the judge gives her what he wants because of her persistence. And that's not to say that if we continue to pray for a Lamborghini, God's <laughs> going to give us a Lamborghini. Yeah, no. Yeah, yeah but... It, but if it's in his will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. if there's some... Like, for, like earlier we talked about Alexander the Great. Like, God allowed Alexander the Great to rise to power probably so that he could teach the known world one language so that, you know, when the gospel came, it's easier to spread. So when God allowed Alexander the Great and then the Romans to come to power, he did it ultimately for his glory, um, not for their own ego. But, yeah, I mean, if it was in his will to somehow give you a Lamborghini, I mean, he would he would make that happen. No promises. We're not promising you sports cars. But, <laughs> you know, the general idea is if you, if you are asking something according to God's will and you keep going over and over and over and over, um, first of all, the, it, it grows your dependence on the Lord, which, yeah. is, which is the main benefit. Yeah. And then um, he's faithful and he, he gives what we ask for if we ask in his will. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the idea of that parable is like if someone who is just, he's just so bugged by this widow, fine, I'll, I'll answer, I'll help her out or whatnot. God who actually loves you, who wants to hear from you, who wants to be in conversation with you, how much more is he going to give you what you need mm-hmm. inside of that? Yeah. And you just keep asking. I mean, don't know the exact story, but there was like an Irish preacher and I forget his name. And he prayed for his best friends to come to know Christ. And it's like, we're talking like, he's like 45 years he's been doing this. And when someone asked him like, why, why have you been praying this long? Like, why haven't you stopped? And he's like, if God didn't want to do something right with their lives, he wouldn't have had me praying this long. And they right? wouldn't still be here. Then they wouldn't yeah. still be here. And he said, so literally like he, a couple years later, one of the guys came to know Christ, he dies. And two years after his death, his other buddy comes to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. So God had praying for almost 50 years of his life. Wow. And the very, very end, they both come to know him, mm-hmm. which is really cool. So God wants to do something through our submission, through our prayer um, that really honors him. 
Well, and you're doing so aligned with his will in the sense that you are placing other people ahead of you. You're, you're loving them well, right? Yeah. I mean, I know friends who they've done similarly for like a roommate. They prayed for two years for them to know the gospel and they were there, they were available and they were sharing it, but that person wasn't receiving it. And then eventually like God did soften their heart and let them receive it. And it was, I don't know, I feel like joy that comes from that, where it's something that you've been seeking that's aligning with God's will when he gives it. It is such a gift. Like joy mm. is incredible in that moment, you know, which I can only imagine with the person who's oh, been praying yeah. for 45 years, you That'd said? insane, yeah. 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 Pastor. Like when I think of that, I, I heard a quote one time that the greatest joy is expanding your own family. I think that's mm. true, whether it be in weddings, having children, when someone you love has gets married or has a child. Mm-hmm. But then in a broader sense, you know, when you expand the heavenly family and you expand God's family, when someone comes to the Lord, I, I don't think there's any greater joy in the world than that. Um, and it, it's it kind of, you have that Abrahamic joy because he and his wife waited for, I don't know how many decades to have a son. And then they finally have Isaac. And it, it's like kind of that same level of anticipation that creates that same level of joy when someone you've been praying for comes to know the Lord. It's yeah. a great feeling. And you're like, I'm no longer just going to see you for my time on earth. Now I have you forever in my life. That's awesome. Yeah. And sometimes the decisions you're making, you don't see the, you're like, God told me to move here. I felt, I felt called. You asked, you, you, you prayed about it. You made it on scripture about being a, you know, going to other cultures, going somewhere else, whatever it may be. Then you talk to community, they're like, dude, I think that's a great idea. And you prayed some more and God led you there and you're there and you're like, but I'm not seeing anything or this is really hard. Right. And a lot of times we make decisions and then they end up being most of the time. It's really hard when we get there, whatever it is. Right. Um, this world is never meant to be easy in that sense because it is broken, it's fallen. Mm-hmm. Um, and God also wants to foster our um, reliance and dependence upon him. So a lot of times there are hard situations we get we go towards with our decisions that ultimately get to glorify him through that. Yeah. And I, I feel like in those hard times, I feel like I feel the goodness of God so much more, you know, mm. I, like I realize the world is empty and he is good. And he, like what he has for me is good. Even if this, the time that I'm experiencing is difficult, it's just a reminder of where goodness does exist. You yeah. Know? Amen. Well, I think, um, that's pretty good today on decision making. Any yeah. final thoughts? I feel like we could talk about it forever. There's yeah, just we so got, many things, but got yeah, so many decisions to make in there. Yeah. yeah. So we're going to recap with the the four steps. The four are? steps. We looked at um, prayer, which is really a humble submission towards God. That was the first step, praying about things immediately. Ooh. Come on, Mallory. Man, Jeez. Mallory. 139. That, wait, was you know that, what it is. Was that Google calling you right there? No. Oh, okay. Sorry. Let's, hold on. Why 139? 139. It's um, for the, oh man, what is the, 139, Psalm 139. Psalm 139. So it's just for the prayer to uh, end abortion in our land and in this time. And also the heartbeat law. We yeah, well, specifically that, that yeah. yeah, but it's just in general. It's just a prayer. I think that yeah. a lot of people in our church and I think beyond our church are all just praying at the same time. It's nice. Talk about persistent prayer. That's a good example right there. Mm-hmm. S- side note on that. We believe that every human being is created in the image of God. Yes. And they all have value and worth because of this. Yes. And a person's life begins at conception. Yes. So as soon as the egg and the sperm come together. So so we're praying about that, yeah. that yeah. that view would be viewed by everyone. But the Bible says also, he stitches us together in the womb. Sorry, go ahead, Mel. No, I was just going to say, just not trying to shame or p- place any guilt on anyone who's made this decision, just um, calling t- for all of us to love others um, and to be a voice for those who can't speak for themselves. Amen. You know? Amen. Okay, back to the four steps. Yes. Prayer, submission to God was number one. Two was meditating on scripture. And we're looking at the um, entire canon of scripture, not just going to one little passage there. Um, sometimes one passage does, does speak to you. And then you're saying, well, how is this backed up by other places in scripture? Um, then taking that to community, your guys, your gals, whatever that may look like. Uh, and then finally, um, praying some more on it. <laughs> We've got, right? And if, if you haven't, if you, but at that point, if you haven't got a decision right by step four, you may like, 
by step two, you're like, man, I meditate on it. Here's what I want to do. Then you take the community and they're like, yes, it sounds biblical. All right, do it. Right. And then say, hey, pray, God, I pray that this would just have success. And that would have success in this, which is ultimately gives you the glory. Mm-hmm. Um, well, asking those two questions to challenge you as well, while doing all this is how do I most glorify God? What's mm-hmm. going to most glorify God? And what's going to cause me to rely upon him more slash trust in him more? I appreciate that. Couldn't have said it better myself. Decision making. Well, thanks for listening today, guys. Um, get out there, go swim with some sharks, maybe go <laughs> skydiving, maybe run a hundred mile race or something like that. And uh, we will not be doing that in the next week, maybe in the next uh, three months. I don't know. We'll see. All right, guys. Have a great day. All right. Bye. Chabelos. Thank you for tuning in to this episode. We hope you were encouraged and inspired to turn to the only one who can and will satisfy you. If you have any questions, we'd love to hear them out. Feel free to reach us on any social media platform at Shine and Delight. You can also shoot us an email at shineanddelight at outlook.com. Until next time, be kind, love all, share your shine.